You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. Uh, Luke, the seventh chapter. We're going to start with the 36th verse. We're going to read down through the 50th verse. Are you ready? All right. And one of the Pharisees, I'm reading out of King James, one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet, and behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. I would say, are there any sinners in the house? Because that's what preachers do. But I don't want you raising your hand right now. (laughs) When she knew, well, maybe I should. Maybe we should just do altar call right here. Behold, a woman in the city was a sinner. And when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of, an, of ointment. And she stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. And now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, The Pharisee, one person thought this, and he didn't say it out loud, you see, he he thought it, And Jesus answered him out loud. Oh, the Lord knows what you're thinking. Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. How you love the way that Jesus turns us into a teaching moment. Life should be full of teaching moments. Verse 41. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one ought 500 pence and the other 50 And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon. He hasn't stopped speaking to Simon. He turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Verse 46. Mine head with oil thou didst not anoint. In other words, you didn't give me any oil so that I could put my hair in place from my journey. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins be forgiven. And they that sat at me with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgives sin also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. 
I love this story. <clears throat> I've preached it a few times here from this passage, uh, but I love the heart in this story. Not just the heart of Jesus, but the heart of this woman. I love the fact that this woman taught the Pharisee a lesson. That when you approach the master, this is how you approach him. When you approach the master, you don't, you don't try to get uh, kudos for yourself. You don't try to look important. You humble yourself in the presence of the master. Now, in order for you, for me to hopefully help you understand this moment, <clears throat> Simon a Pharisee is also in other, in other places where this story lies, is known as Simon the leper. I don't know this for a fact, but it's a really good chance that Simon was healed by Jesus. This is why the invitation came. This man prayed for me and my leprosy went away. Otherwise, he would have been put out and he couldn't be a Pharisee anymore. But he still carries the stigma of the, the thing he was delivered from. And sometimes when we're delivered, we still carry the stigma of what we're delivered from for the remainder of our life. Some folks, you know, we understand that we were a scallywag. And when we get up to tell our testimony, we tell the fact that we were a scallywag saved by grace. And so Simon has been healed, I, rather by Jesus or not, I don't know, but a miracle has happened. And from everything I read in first century history, no one was doing the things Jesus was doing, and you didn't hear of reports of healings except in the ministry of Jesus. So it's a pretty good chance that he's here because he brought a miracle on this man's life, and this man invited him to dinner. In the time and the day and the age in which uh, this all took place, there were two classes of people, there were, and I won't get deep into this, but there, there were the up-and-outers and the absolutely completely down-and-outers. There was very little in between. There was no middle class. And people who had money were revered as special. That's why you hear perplexing things when the disciples said, well, if a rich man can't get into heaven, who can? Because they thought wealth and privilege bought their way into eternal grace and favors. All right? And so this woman is an intruder in this scene. In the day, Jesus would have been invited, and the, those who were poor, who had no forms of entertainment would gather around the places where people would feed and have banquets and they would listen into the conversation and they would watch from afar with a longing in their heart to be on the inside. They were outsiders watching the insiders. Jesus has been invited to the inner circle, to the inside. And Mary, we know, we know in other places she's named Mary. This is Mary Magdalene. She has been watching from the outside. She has heard it noised abroad, the miracles that Jesus wrought. She knows about Simon's healing. She knows uh, all the great things that are happening with Jesus. 
And Jesus has been invited into this dinner, but not given the proper customary courtesies. If, if I was to put it in everyday vernacular, Jesus is being snubbed. They invited him in because he's an interesting teacher. And by the way, I got healed. I want to hear a little more. But had this been someone of the higher priesthood, they would have made sure that he had a great seat. They would have made sure that he was in the proper place and all of the proper rituals because the Jews were big on washings. Everything had to be washed. Your hands had to be washed. They took, they took daily baths. Sometimes they would bathe several times a day in public places. There were, there were public baths where they would go and wash. But one of the most detestable things in all of the traditions of Judaism is foot washing. You didn't come into someone's house with unwashed feet. That would have been rude. But it was up to the host to make sure there was water provided for that person to wash their feet. Now, you can imagine in the, in the time of Christ, they had either... Uh, sandals made from string or rope or leather, but they were open-toed shoes. And you can imagine walking around in the, in, in the inner cities especially, not only was there dust, but there was garbage, and there was stuff laying in the streets, and there was dung, and there was all these things. And so a person walking around and traveling and doing anything, even if he was just in town, his feet are going to get sweaty, his feet are going to get dirty, uh, they're going to get smelly. And when you come into someone's home, you didn't want to defile their home with dirty feet. It's also a Jewish tradition that only slaves wash the feet of a visitor. Jews believed that it was beneath them to wash a visitor's feet. They would give them all kinds of hospitality, but don't ask us to wash your feet. We'll provide you water. Is this okay? And so... They're providing, uh, he hasn't been provided the water. He's reclining at the table. He's come in. He's at his place. Now, they didn't eat like this. They didn't have a nice table. They laid on the floor on their side this way, and they ate laying on their side. So they would reach with his hand, prop with his hand, and they would conversate. And so Jesus is already seated. He's already got his place. He's already there. He's been snubbed because he hasn't been offered the ceremonial washing. The Jews so detest foot washing that even a Jewish slave didn't wash a guest's feet. Only a slave of another nation, if you own slaves from another nation, were they allowed to wash your feet. Of course, we don't understand any of that because we don't like slavery. We're far removed from that. But that was the culture of the day. In fact, it was so detestable and is so detestable, even in the Middle East today, feet are considered yuck. And have you ever seen uh, an uprising in the Middle East where people remove their shoes and throw them? Have you ever seen that? 
You know why they do that? Because feet are dirty and detestable. And so if they take their shoe off and throw it at you, they're dishonoring you. They're saying you're detestable. You're no good. How many remember when one of our presidents was in the Middle East and he had two shoes thrown at him? (laughs) And what that guy was saying was, you're detestable. You have no value to me. And Jesus comes into this dinner the honored guest, but the honored guest is being snubbed because Simon is probably playing up to some of the other visitors that are at the dinner who aren't so sure where they sit with this Jesus. Haven't made up their mind. Is he really good? Is he not good? And this notorious woman who made her living, doing sinful things, who had heard noised abroad and probably had witnessed with her own eyes some of the miraculous things that Jesus had done. Standing on the outside as an outsider looking in said, this can't be. You cannot dishonor him this way. This is not right. This is not fair. You're dishonoring the one, Simon, who healed you? She had no idea what Simon was thinking in his heart, and she broke into the party, uninvited. What's funny is no one stopped her. No one kept her from getting to the master. And when she arrived, all she could do was weep and cry as her heart lamented over what had been done. To this honorable man. Her heart breaking, weeping and crying. Standing behind him in a place of submission. Women walked behind the men. They were considered second class. For her to break into the party, number one, was criminal. Number two, for her to approach the master, the guest, the honored person, was unheard of. And all she could do was weep and cry. Crying so profusely that her tears were staining the master's feet. And because she had no towel, she didn't come prepared for this moment other than she saw something she said in her heart is not right. So she humbled herself And with her tears begin to wipe his feet. The nastiness of the streets, the sweat. Possibly dung. And she wept. And her tears of honor were falling on the feet of the master. And then she took her own hair, which is a woman's glory, according to the Old Testament. She not only humbled herself to kneel at the master's feet and to wash his feet, something lower than a slave. And wash his feet with her own broken hearted tears. 
She took her glory, her womanly glory, and she wiped. So when she left, her hair had the dirt from the feet of Jesus in it. She wasn't afraid to be identified with where those feet had been. She wasn't afraid of what others would say or think because she wiped his feet with her hair. She says, my glory is nothing. His, his should be elevated. What people think of me don't, doesn't matter. I'm a sinner. But this is a righteous man. And in her heart, though she dare not pronounce a judgment against a man, in her heart she was telling them, no, you don't. Not my Jesus. You don't treat him this way. He's worthy of all my glory. And then she done the most unthinkable thing of all. She took an alabaster box of ointment and broke the seal and poured a costly perfume that she probably got from one of her customers for her services. It was worth one year's wages for the common man. And she broke the seal. And she began to rub those beautiful feet that she'd been kissing. What everyone else at the dinner detested, she valued. as she anointed his feet with the most expensive thing she had. She was telling everyone who was watching, those inside and those outside, this man deserves the best. This man deserves to be honored. And Simon, I'm, I haven't even looked at a note, have no idea where I'm at. But Simon had that thought in his mind. If this man really was a prophet, now wait a minute, didn't possibly you just get healed by this man? Didn't you invite him into your home because you wanted to honor him? No, you invited him into your home because your friends wanted to get something to prove that your healing was just... A fluke. Your healing was just something that happened. It didn't have anything to do with this detestable man. In his heart, he said it. He didn't say it out loud. If this man was really a prophet of God, he'd know this woman's a sinner. He'd know what kind of sinner she is. Her clothes, her dress would have gave her away. How she adorned herself would have gave her away. Jesus knew what kind of woman she was. 
He knew. And he begins to instruct him. He says, Simon, let me tell you something. Here's a little lesson. If you're forgiven for a little bit of stuff, and this person's forgiven for a whole lot of stuff, who's going to love the most? Who's going to value the most? The Jews were self-righteous. They thought they were good. They kept the law. They did the letter of the law. They, they did the washings. They kept, you know, they wouldn't even pull a chair across the floor on the Sabbath day and for fear that they would plow ground. Yet they were on take from Rome under the table. While they were pronouncing their holiness, this woman who had no holiness to bring into the room honored God far more than the crowd who considered themselves the elect. He said, Simon, from the moment this woman came in, she has washed my feet with tears. You didn't even provide me water. You didn't even give me the customary thing. You think Jesus didn't know what was going on? He knew exactly what was going on. <coughs> he said, this woman who has been forgiven much loves much. You didn't give me water. You didn't give me oil to comb my hair. And you didn't even greet me with a kiss. It was customary to greet. I know men in this room, none of us are going to start this tradition at Passion Church. <laughs> but in the Middle East, you greet people with a kiss, even to this day. I had a friend who was from Egypt, and every time he came to greet me, I went, oh. <laughs> he never got me on the lips. <laughs> but here it comes then I had another friend Christian friend who was a bodybuilder much bigger than me and when he'd hug you he'd just hold on and then he'd start kissing you you're like oh I couldn't fight what was I going to do he's bigger than me he could bench press me <laughs> but he's He's chiding Simon for his heart. Your heart is wrong, Simon. You think you have nothing to be forgiven for. This woman knows she owes everything. She broke into your party and had her moment of repentance before you all. Not afraid, not ashamed. She did all the customary things that you denied me. She did it, and she did it in honor of me. What that woman did was pronounce to the world how she saw Jesus. Simon saw Jesus as another contemporary teacher who was pretty good at what he did and could garner a crowd, not quite sure where he's coming from. The church often holds anything new that's happening at arm's length as though 
we're not sure about this. And I, and I, I trust me, I do believe we have to judge the spirits. I do. I believe we have to watch certain actions and measure them by the word of God and not just let any willy-nilly silly thing happen. At the same time, though, the church often thinks we're self-righteous. We often get into that position where we're the elect, we're the only ones, are for and no more. That was the attitude they had towards Jesus, but she saw him differently. She saw him as a savior. When he pronounced to her, thy sins have been forgiven, she received it. Everyone else in the room would have had trouble with him making that statement. In fact, in other places where we read this account, you'll find they had trouble with that statement. Who does he think he is that he can forgive sins? Who gave him the authority? Well, maybe because in the beginning was the word and the word was God. Maybe he had the right. In Matthew, the 26th chapter, this story appears again. And here the argument arises about the cost of the perfume and the perceived waste. The poor could have been blessed. Jesus. I don't know why that just happened right there, but that felt like Captain Kirk right there. Jesus, the poor could have been. Anyway, <laughs> it was just, it crossed my mind. It's a family curse. <laughs> but he, uh, in that moment, in that moment, uh, the argument came up that you guys are Jesus. That Jesus. Really? You would let these people, let that woman waste what could have been spent on the poor? Jesus gave a beautiful answer. Well, the poor will always be as long as man's in charge. As long as hearts like yours are in charge, that will always be. What this woman has done has been a memorial First of all, leading to my death. And second of all, for her to be written into the pages and annals of history for as long as time shall remain. And that argument that rose up in the center of that argument, <laughs> the chief person of interest in that argument in Matthew 26, is a man who works side by side with Jesus. His name is Judas. At the end of this display, he leaves that party and secretly goes off and makes arrangements with those who set themselves up as enemies against Jesus, and he says, I'll deliver him to you. What will you give me? Are you still here? I'll make this quick. I need to hurry. Look at this. That chief person of interest is found in verse 14 and 15. You don't have to turn there. 
But he went to the chief priest right after this display and bargained for 30 pieces of silver. And may I give to you and introduce to you the understanding. There have been a lot of theologians who've debated over this whole thing between Jesus and Judas. And some say this was prearranged before time, blah, blah, blah. There's lots of stuff. Or, G- or Judas was trying to goad Jesus into being a certain kind of a leader. But can I just tell you what the real motivation was? It was greed. Because Judas was already stealing from the coffers of Jesus' ministry. And he saw another opportunity to make some more money and to walk away with the bag that held all the money from Jesus' ministry. This is quiet in this little room. In John, the 13th chapter, if you want to turn there, you can. For time's sake, I don't know if I'm going to read too much. John 13. Now before the feast, verse 1, of Passover, when Jesus knew that this his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Where did that betrayal start? It started when this woman wasted, in his mind, this expensive anointing oil on Jesus. The person that he had ascribed his loyalty to. The person who had promised him, you will rule and reign with me. When we come into my kingdom, you have a place. You will be a ruler. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and gird himself. And after that, he poured poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. In other words, you're not enlightened, but this is, you're going to come to enlightenment. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him and said, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, and therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye that I have, know ye what I have done to you. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. And if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, Ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. 
For verily I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, and neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Now, Jesus was honored at this dinner by this sinner because he was being snubbed by the religious crowd of the day. But Jesus now, in the public's eyes, is a man of high stature. He's a man of renown. He's a man who is recognized. He's a person that when people hear he's coming, they throng to see him because like today, if a celebrity were to arrive in Cameron, many people would go just simply out of curiosity or the desire to see that person up close. And Jesus was a person who on the public scene was a person of renown. For him now to not only have his feet washed in the humility of having someone wash your feet, suddenly he's now washing feet. No self-respecting Jew would do this. Not even a Jew who's a slave will do this. And Jesus has promised all these men, you're going to rule and reign with me in a kingdom like no other. He's been an enigma. He's been very difficult and hard to understand. And they, they're not going to get their epiphanal moment for several more days. When it all comes to them on the day of Pentecost and they realize what has been handed to them. In this moment, they are perplexed. Why would any self-respecting leader stoop down and wash my feet? It, today, it would be like, gosh, I can't think of too many celebrities. If Kim Kardashian came into this room and knelt down to wash your feet, she's a person that the world looks up to, and they would be appalled at her washing your feet. Let's go even higher. If President Trump, knelt down and washed your feet, we would think that is below your dignity. You're the president. I should wash your feet. You're the movie star. I should wash your feet. But Jesus taught them a lesson on this day that this little woman had right. A leader doesn't become a leader. A person of prominence isn't a person of prominence if it's all about achievement. A person isn't a person of prominence unless they can make you better. They can help you 
That's when a person becomes a true leader. When a leader values others and esteems them as himself, that leader has earned the right to lead. And he's teaching the disciples, I'm about to turn the church over to you. And if you're going to serve the Father like I do, lesson number one, if you want to go up, you got to bow down. If you're going to make a lasting change, you got to humble yourself. Think about the plight of Jesus. He was there when this was created. His hands, his words, his breath created you. The same Simon who invited him to dinner was created by him. But all Simon could see was a man who was gaining notoriety and we're not sure if we like it. He didn't understand the eternal consequences of the moment that the word is reclining at your table. The word honored you to come and be a guest and you didn't know how to treat him. But the little woman, on the other hand, said, this shouldn't be. This great man of renown who loves, you can see it. This man with a heart filled, overflowing with love is being snubbed. That's unacceptable. And even though she might have been considered a second-class citizen, she had no problem bowing at the master's feet. The disciples were probably bewildered by what happened with this woman. And in just a handful of days, Jesus is now at their feet. Saying, I put in your hands the responsibility to reach the world. Go and make disciples. Love like I have loved. Heal like I have healed. Turn your world upside down, boys. Teach people that down is up. 
But in is out and out is in. Teach the world the power of your words and the ability to lift up and not tear down. Teach the world that life and death is in the power of the tongue and that just having belief in God like a grain of mustard seed can grow until nothing shall be impossible in the here and now. I can't imagine, but I would love to be in the moment of that room. I don't want to be one of the disciples in the sense that I would alter history in any way. But if I could just have been in the room to watch him wash their feet, I would know what kind of love God has for me. When the creator of all the opulence of heaven walked away from it for a season into the impoverished situation that man had created out of his world of beauty. And then he would come and visit me. He would make a way. He would love me so. That the master himself would wash my feet. And here's the lesson he taught them. You're not all that. Take my yoke upon you. It's easy. What is his yoke? Love God. Love people. Love God. Love people. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.